Okay, we shared in the Sunday School class, and we're just having an update for uh, those that weren't, weren't here. And we've been in the Philippines for over 40 years when we first went. Okay, our last, uh, we went first in uh, 1978. Uh, when we first went to the Philippines, and our last time was uh, return in March of 2019. So we went to just before COVID, but I had to be careful with my uh, illnesses and other type things, and so God was, was faithful uh, for us to return. Okay. Okay, we were thankful to... Um, visit. The last 12 years we were in the Philippines, we taught in a Bible school up in the mountains. We were not able to go back to that school because Phil landed up in the hospital, but we were able to uh, visit the church that we had started in Cebu City, which is the second largest city in the Philippines. And they um, have the burden that if you have a church started, you should start more churches. And so they started churches all over the island. There's 20-some now on the island of Cebu. And this is one of the small outreach churches we visited. And uh, Phil was the speaker for a fellowship of the pastors and, and their wives and Christian workers in all of those churches. So a very exciting time. This is a picture of that fellowship of the pastors and workers. That's the Lord. That was not even in our dreams for the island of Cebu, but the Filipino workers, through the power of the Lord, just did that, and we're very, very thankful for all he has done. Then because of uh, Phil's health, we had to retire. We were already past retirement age anyways, but um, we had hoped to keep going back to the Philippines. The Lord had other plans, and we love what we're doing now, which is working with international students both at Buff State and um, at UB, back and forth. So they did give us a room around from 12.30 to 1.30 with the scholars. They are on sabbatical when they come to uh, Buffalo, and uh, they can go into some classes of uh, their PhD or any classes they would like uh, normally, but we, we had our uh, American culture class with them to bring them up to uh, speed of um, visiting Niagara Falls or uh, and using the Bible as a textbook to uh, help them with their English, not just uh, uh, they know English already, but their pronunciation and, and so forth that they, they had. So not only at the school, uh, but also with COVID had come, then we had to uh, go online and have them in our home. I'm pushing the wrong button here. And then we had to go online for... Uh, them even when they return to to their country of, of China. So it's been a very uh, exciting ministry. Um, we have several Bible studies a week in 
in China. As you know, it's not easy to go to China. It's really almost impossible. Um, and we appreciate your prayers for them. This, this past week, um, for the first time, okay, some of them are afraid to take there. We always give them a, a, a copy of the Bible, a paper copy of the Bible. And we know that some of them have been afraid to take it back to China with them. Depends a little on their personality or their position. And so they always had a Bible app on their phone. And this past week was the first time when the Bible apps just stopped working. And uh, we know that the government has the power to shut that kind of thing down. Now, you and I can't imagine that, can we? That our Bible would be taken away in that way. But we appreciate your prayers. Um, we'll take the opportunity while we have it, but relations are quite tense between the two countries. And um, others are being blocked from the class. And so um, we just thank the Lord we take one day at a time with that ministry. But we enjoy the ones that are here. We uh, started a ministry at UB this week called Tea and Talk. And it, it's with uh, ladies, international ladies. We just had 10 come out. We were hoping for more. But it's an opportunity to give them an opportunity to sign up for a Bible study. So many opportunities uh, with international students, and we're very thankful. So we've had them in their backyard and having a fire pit and so forth, and still continuing uh, every other Monday night, Monday morning here, uh, as Barb prepares and we both uh, have them online. We have three different links, so we alternate them so they can't uh, know which one we're on, per se, to block us from having our class. So this was our last uh, batch of 2022, and some of them went back to their country in the spring and summer, and August 30th was the last of two of them. Uh, that went back to their native country. We had a time to take them to a dairy farm uh, there, and there was a newly born calf uh, that uh, they could see uh, being rubbed down and so forth and with its mother in, uh, in, in the distance there. And then we had some Iranians also. Tell them about Nikta. So... Um these Iranians are PhD students from UB, and uh, very interesting. We got to know them, and again, a country that we could not get into. So I can't explain enough. We appreciate your prayers for these ministries. And uh, Nikta is a gal that I had Bible studies with. Even during COVID, we would often go to a park or something like that. She's a devout Muslim. She, When she got her PhD, she moved to... Uh, South Carolina to work at a university there. She's just been transferred to Alfred, so we hope to see her some, not as regularly as when she lived in Buffalo. And then the other four um, we're planning to have over again soon. We've just kept in close touch with them. So we're thankful for them as well. So that's our update that we have them in our home or a fire. And then also uh, Rima, uh, had been at uh, UB as well, and that uh, they, with her son, had moved to Alberta, Canada. She was baptized in Buffalo. So we're thankful for two new people. I, 
I'll give you a prayer request that you can remember. X, Y, Z, okay? X and, y, uh, X and Z are Chinese uh, scholars. They're both 50 years old. They teach in universities in China. They went back August 30th, and they both accepted Christ as their Savior before they went. So we are discipling them online. I'm going to tell the... Xiao Jia begins with X, and Zhang Bo begins with Z. Okay, that's the first letters of their names. Y is Yu Ying. She's a close Chinese friend, and she hasn't accepted the Lord yet, but we're praying for her. lower left right-hand corner in the picture. And these are my uh, students that I still teach online uh, at the Bible school. They're fourth-year students that are there. And then our children, go ahead. Yeah, we appreciate your prayers for Andy. Um, I'll start a new job uh, tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> and he has two daughters. And then Katie, um, I don't know if how many of you know our kids, but anyways... Uh, they both, of course, grew up in the Philippines. Katie was married for 11 years, wasn't able to get pregnant. She finally had a little guy, so he's quite delightful. They both, they all our kids live in Pennsylvania. So He's six months old now. Yeah, the cutest little guy. <laughs> so, so three things that you can pray for for us. Um, pray for the online ministries in the Philippines that Phil does um, for... Friendship evangelism with the internationals, especially as we start up at UB. We're changing from Buff State to UB because there were no more scholars there. And then for the online ministries, several different Bible studies that we have going um, that are weekly, and we'd appreciate your prayers for them. Thank you. I think Bill's going to turn the lights back on so we can see. We're going to do a song for you, and then later you'll get to sing it. But if you know it, you can sing along with us. It's called Holy Forever by Chris Tomlin.
of God, your master proclaim.
scripture reading, partly because we don't have one. So we're going to turn to hymn number 339. I will sing the wonder story. I will sing the wonder story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory cross of Calvary. Sing, oh sing, the wonder story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. I was lost, but Jesus found me from the sea. Sing the wonder story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. I was bruised, but Jesus healed me.
will keep me till the river roses far is at my feet. Then you'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I shall meet. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. Okay, have a little prayer time here. Are there prayer requests or praises that you'd like to give? Eva, my granddaughter, out for her birthday, and that's where we went. And uh, she had one thing to say afterwards when we asked her if she'd go again. She said, no, never. <laughs> and it was because it was so loud she couldn't stand it. And we were all the way in the back, and it was still too loud. Second half she did better. Somebody gave her some earplugs, she put them in, and then she could listen to it, and it wasn't so loud. But... Um, that's probably the biggest thing she would say. It was just way too loud. So, but it's nice to take them out and see their reaction. My other granddaughter says she'll go anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, any other praises? I was just thinking about the goodness of God and his truth this week. And for a year now, I've been trying to figure out why one person on our uh, church email never gets our email. I have tried everything. Come to find out this week, it was because there was one dot between the name and the email address. One dot. And it made me think, you know, the Bible says not even one dot or one hyphen or one, they call it a jot or a tittle in the Bible for you kids who don't know, but any little apostrophe, none of that ever has been lost because the Holy Spirit and God have kept the Bible true. And I, I laughed so hard when, when that's all it was, was one dot. It's been a whole year. It took me to figure out what it was. So anyway, that was a good reminder of how faithful God is in his word and in our lives. Anybody else? Okay, well, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we're so grateful to you for your love and your goodness to us. For the blessings you give us uh, way beyond what we ever deserve. We're so grateful that you love us like that. Um, we're aware as we hear these missionary stories and other uh, missionaries talk that many times overseas it isn't like it is here. In many ways we have it very good because we can freely worship and we don't run into all the other problems that come up in countries that have people who hate Christians and, and all the other things. But we're just grateful 
that you give us that ability so we can be a part of that ministry by sending others and by being able to care for them. Lord, today as we worship together, we want to be reminded that part of this is that we need to seek out what your mission for us is, that we will fit in, that we will do those things that you would desire us to do in the church of God. And we want to do that. We want to serve you. We pray that you'll help us to seek out possibilities, things that we can do to serve you in this church and in this community. We want people to know the Lord. We desire to reach out and to serve them and to tell them about Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, thank you for the updates we get. Thank you for the amazing ministries in so many countries, the number of churches that are planted, the people who come to know the Lord. We know around the world many, many people have come to know the Lord, and we're grateful for that ministry. So we look forward to the baptism tonight, Lord, and uh, the excitement of having eight children baptized. We're looking forward to that. Um, help that to go smoothly so that uh, we can do this in a way that's glorifying to you. Today, as Greg comes to speak, we pray that you would, would truly work in people's hearts through the message of the word. Help us, Lord, to focus on you, to delight in you, to make you the very center of all that we do. And as we come to worship and song, and as we come to worship by hearing your word, that you would just help us to be affected and desire to live more and more in light of who you are and your love for us. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. The first song we'll sing is that Holy Forever song. I don't know if I told them that or not. But, uh, what's that? Oh, that's right. You want to do that first? Okay. One time. You can, you can stay up for this. They're going to come up and, and help lead us in be a missionary every day. If you don't know that song, you're going to hear it now. It's an old song, but it's a great tune. Be a missionary every day. Tell the world that Jesus is away. Be it any town or country, or the busy avenue, Africa or Asia, the task is up to you. So be a missionary every day. Tell the world that Jesus is away. The Lord is soon returning, there is no time to lose, so be a missionary, God's own adversary, be a missionary today. Let's go. Amen. Now we'll sing that song you heard earlier, Holy Forever. Song of ages to the Lamb, 
Jesus, only Jesus.
it, those ages, are they going four to seven? They have clipboards or are they going out back? Clipboards. I thought I had it right. Four to seven, clipboards on the side. Now we have Greg coming from uh, Bethany Camp. He's an old friend now. Seems like we've known each other a long time. But thankful for him and his family. Glad he's here. He's going to present the message this morning. did find out something new this morning. I'm old. That's not what you said, I don't think completely, but somewhere in that neighborhood, right? Well, listen, it's a privilege to be here uh, with you folks at Ripley. It's been a while. It's been a long time since I've been out and enjoyed the fellowshipping with you guys. 
that's about as much as I can say about Bethany Camp. The video always covers way more than what I could say. A few little updates to go along with that before we spend some time trying to motivate ourselves about missions this morning. Um, you know, we had a, another record summer this year. We had uh, just under 1,060 summer campers. And more importantly, there were 31 young people that prayed to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior this summer. And many, many more that uh, had other spiritual decisions or determinations of things they wanted to do differently in their walk with the Lord. And so praise the Lord, right? And since camp has ended, uh, our own camps, we have hosted almost 900 people. Uh, through weekend retreats and uh, week-long camps, the other groups that come in and are involved in the camp. And so we are grateful for that. And there have been many that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior during that time as well, even though we are more behind the scenes in the process of what we're doing in as far as what is happening at camp. And uh, so we're grateful for that. We do have, as uh, some of you know, a big ongoing project at the moment. Uh, we're building a new recreation building. I actually saw that there are some pictures and some floor plans out here on the wall. Appreciate your prayers for that. We did. We are going to be pouring a little bit of uh, the footers stuff on Tuesday. And in Lord willing, uh, a week from this coming Tuesday, the floor of the gym area is going to be poured. And then, boom, the building is going to go up quickly. And uh, we're going to be moving forward, and uh, we just appreciate your prayers as we continue to try to uh, navigate this rather large project. And uh, it's going to be a great blessing to the ongoing ministry of camp. One of the things that we really are passionate about is the ability to be able to see small, small rural churches be able to use the facility more. And believe it or not, by building another building like this, it enables us to do that in a better way in the aspect that normally now we already have a lot of groups that come. But we want to be able to have things, and we have one this coming weekend. We're having our own retreat, which was announced this morning. We have another church that's coming in, and their church leadership team is going to be meeting over the weekend, planning and getting ready for the coming year. And we have been able to do more of that. And this building has enabled us to do that. We're hosting multiple groups at the same time and some of those smaller functions that people can be having. And so we appreciate prayers for that. One other thing that you could pray for us about, for years now we've had an energy issue. We have a gas well that doesn't have enough gas. We have finally jumped through all the hoops to procure the ability to get to another gas well. We just need to get all the ducks lined up in a row in order for the line to get put in the ground and so forth. And that's been something we've been praying about for, huh? Pastor Don, what, seven, eight years now it's been ongoing? And so just pray for that to take place and the, the details to come together. How many of you have projects at your home that you just can't quite ever seem to get done? Any of you? Some of you are lying. You don't have your hand up. But uh, we have about six of those going on right now. So pray for wisdom. Pray for patience. Pray for uh, just uh, help, help and clarity of thought. And I guess that goes along with this morning a little bit. I, I, I have been thinking about this for a little bit, about what to share this morning. And I just, uh, we're going to pray before we start, that I can stay focused and not wander too far afield. Um, I get excited about a lot of things, and I, I'm excited about what I want to share this morning. But sometimes when I get excited about stuff, I don't stay real focused. So we can pray that we can uh, learn something together this morning and that we can be challenged. My goal today is this. I want to motivate us to share the hope of Jesus. And you think, well, that's a pretty simplistic thing, but I think if we're all honest, we struggle with that at times. We are very distracted by the many things that go on in our lives. 
And then I want to give us some practical advice and some thoughts of ways that we could actually do that. And each one of us has that ability to do so. But what does that look like for you? And what does that look like for me? And how could we be more efficient in that process? So let's spend a little bit of time just coming to the, before the Lord. Lord, you are the great God. And the fact that you would choose to send your son, Jesus, to die for us is beyond belief. And yet you've done that. And Lord, we thank you. Now, as we look into your word this morning and we were challenged in the thought process of how we could serve you better, the Lord, that you might just work in our hearts today. Give me clarity. Speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, as I was thinking about, boy, what could we share about missions and uh, how could we encourage and challenge each other to, to do that? You know, there are the typical passages that come along, right? And, and our brother Phil already kind of took out, it's a good thing I didn't go down the direction of the Great Commission this morning because we have been already doubled up on that, right? But I think for years, missionaries have come and they have rightly so challenged us with this thought process of what the Great Commission is. It's really important, right? Some of the last things that Jesus talked about before he left this earth, that he wanted us to share the hope of what he had just accomplished with others as we come in contact with them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard that as a child, that was extremely intimidating because I, was, I never felt called to go to another country to be a missionary, right? And I always felt a little intimidated by those that did. And then you read through the New Testament and you have this guy, Paul, right? And we read all the accounts of the things that he did and what he accomplished and so forth. And I feel like, man. Uh, there's no way that I can do any of that kind of stuff. I, I'm not really built for that. I'm not really equipped for that. I don't feel strength to do that. And so you just kind of feel, I don't know about you, you've always felt like, well, I, I just don't know what I could do to be a part of that. And, um, you know, the Great Commission does definitely have multiple parts to it. For sure, there's the part of going and there's a part, as you mentioned earlier, of the discipleship part. And we see that kind of take place. You know, it's interesting at camp, we, we're really struggling recently with this whole mindset of that. Because in a church setting, you have events that are outreach events, right? And you have events that are discipleship or teaching events. And at camp, we're trying to do those in the summer. We're trying to do that at the same time because we bring in kids uh, through scholarships and churches send kids that don't know anything about Jesus or anything about what it means to live a holy life. And then we have people from Christian homes who have kids that have lived in that and we're putting them in the same place. And it's an interesting thing to try to figure out how to do that well. But I think that uh, we need to be motivated more. I think the discipleship piece, we certainly have been involved with a lot. We, we work hard at that. And the outreach part can be more difficult, especially personally. As I thought about speaking about the Great Commission, I thought, oh, that's probably been covered. I thought about, as I challenged Austin once this last couple of weeks, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, right? We should always be what? Ready and prepared to share the hope of Jesus with anyone that we come in contact with. And how are we going to do that? And as I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking, well, what, what limits us and what causes us to maybe not follow through with that more effectively? And so I want to take us this morning to Romans chapter 8. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's not going to be unfamiliar to you if you've been in church long or you've been around God's Word. This is one of the more famous passages of Scripture. I like to call it the greatest coach's speech of all time. 
And it's probably a little sacrilegious to do that, but I think as we get through, you can see what I'm thinking. And I'm just going to read through this this morning in a familiar passage in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's powerful, right? Now, if we were to be honest and we were going around a room and share about what's going on in our lives as individuals right now, I'm sure we have a whole range of things. There are people that are experiencing great joy and awesome things that are going on in their lives. And there are probably many of you that are going through some real challenges that maybe you haven't shared with others, discouragements, or just plain circumstances that are just hard, right? And if you haven't been going through difficult challenges, at some point in time you're going to, right? We all know that. Well, we can come to this passage and we can see that God works for us. Now, we have to stop and remember this passage is directed to a very specific group of people. It's people that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this promise and this encouragement is not written for you. And we're not going to spend time talking about uh, eternal, or not eternal security, but the, the, uh, all of a sudden my brain goes, I told you, I'm tired, I'm struggling a little bit, um, Election. We're not going to talk about the doctrine of election this morning, all right? It's a difficult challenge. We don't have time to necessarily deal with that. I'll let, I'll let someone else do that. Josh, are you up this month? There you go. There's his next sermon topic. He can work on that. You know, the Bible is very clear about that, but we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, specifically on that. We, we want to concentrate on this, is that we have a, a, a God who loves us enough that he would send his son, right? And that he's not only going to do that, but he is going to help us through the circumstances that exist that we're going to face, most of you know that my life has have been, had opportunities and challenges. And one of the things when you're going through some of the most difficult days is people are watching you and they're wanting to know a couple of things. They're wanting to know how you're going to react to those circumstances that are around you, right? Because it's really easy to have hope when we're sailing along and everything is good. But it's much more difficult to live that out on a daily basis when things are not going well. True? And 
This passage can be a great encouragement to us because we can remember this. No matter what is happening in the moment, if we know Jesus Christ and our Savior, eternity with Him is coming, right? And whatever else that's going on that we can see right now is just not going to matter all that much. The difficult thing that we have as human beings is, is that I don't know about you, but I don't really have the ability to wrap my brain around the word eternity or the process of eternity or what that really looks like, right? And I don't think that as believers, sometimes even that we take as seriously the whole point of what really is going to happen for us in the end is not just heaven and all the great things it's going to be. It's going to be the fact that we're going to be in the presence of the almighty God, right? And I can't wrap my brain about exactly what that means or what that looks like or, or whatever, but I know it's going to be absolutely amazing, right? And so when we read this passage, we encourage the hope is this. We're going to be there with him. And it's going to go on forever. And so therefore, whatever is going on, I can be encouraged to get through that because of who he is. It doesn't necessarily change the circumstances. It doesn't take away the bad. It doesn't take away the discouragements. But it gives us something to look forward to, which we all need, right? And we also know that this promise isn't what the promises that we have in this earth, the kind of promises that I can give you, right? Now, I don't know how many sports fans we have here. But years and years ago, uh, there was a little uh, baseball series that took place where the, the Boston Red Sox uh, were, were losing. They were down three games to zero in, in the playoffs, right? And I don't know if you follow baseball. I don't really follow baseball. I don't think I'm old enough to follow baseball. So it's kind of an open, I'm not going to be careful with that, right? But they were down three games to zero. And in the history of all of the Major League Baseball playoffs, how many times had a team come down from three games to zero? It would never happened, right? Never happened in the history. And, and so if, if uh, the coach, and his name was Terry Francona, was to go into the locker room and he was to tell his players, you know what, guys, we're going to win this series. Now, I don't know. Some of them are arrogant enough to probably believe anything, but... The reality of it is, is that they were there and they were looking at that and they're like, yeah, but it's never really happened before. Now, some of you know, I, I actually coach basketball uh, for Casadega Valley and uh, we're, we're not a great basketball team, but uh, we, we've tried to get better and tried to learn how to do that. But we play against uh, a team called uh, Randolph. Some of you have heard of it. It's a little town over here on the other side. And how many of you might know that they actually uh, won the state championship last year at our, our level? And guess what? They're in our league, so we get to play them not only once, we get to play them twice. It's just fun. And I want you to know, today it's really good. We held them to four points in the first quarter when we played them last year. We were pretty excited about that. The problem is we didn't score. We didn't score any. That's a minor problem. But um, they're really good. And if I was to go in the locker room, and Austin is on the team, and I was to tell them at the beginning of the game, you know what, if we just, you know, run a little faster, jump a little higher, shoot a little better, we'll probably beat these guys tonight. Most of those kids in the locker room are looking at me like, eh, that's not going to happen, right? That's not the kind of promises we're talking about here, right? That's not the kind of thing that's going, that we just don't know what's going to happen. Do we really believe God is who he says he is? Then this passage tells us what is going to happen. Now, let me just stop for a second and say this. How many of you enjoy a good present? My wife loves to give gifts. She loves to get gifts. She's really into that. I, unfortunately for her, 
I'm not as excited about that as she is at times. But if she was to give me the best gift that I could possibly ever imagine to get, what would you hope that my reaction would be? Eh, thanks, that was pretty nice. No, it should be excitement, right? And I should be wanting to do what? Tell all the other people around me about this amazing gift. And I think sometimes we read passages like this and we study Bible and we believe that God is who he is and we live our lives out and we're faithful to him. But we just don't think about that enough to go and share it with others in a way that we should, right? And I think we need to be reminded of that. This gift that he has given us is not just some trite thing. It's just not some simplistic thing. It is everything. And it should motivate us and get us excited about it. And people should see that in our lives. It should just ooze out of us in every part of us, right? And they can see that, uh, that genuine reality of, of that love for him because of what he's done for us is just everyday part of our life. Now, is that going to make us live perfect lives? No, it's not, right? We are still sinners that need grace every day. And we should acknowledge that and so forth, but it should motivate us. And I think that is really what the crux of being a missionary and the excitement of sharing the hope is, is a reminder for ourselves every day what it is that God has done for me, right? And that should help get us excited and about being able to share that. So, as I think through that and about this passage of Scripture, those actions of sharing that and the words that come with them, I think are really important. We live in a time, and you guys all know this, where we are surrounded by people who, quite frankly, have very little hope. And they are looking for answers in absolutely every arena of their lives, right? And we see that happen and we see people chase after things and, oh, I'm not happy, so I'm going to change to this or I'm going to do this or I'm going to find these other people that are going to help me in my life. And you know what people I really believe are looking more for than anything else is people who are genuinely recognizing and they're, they're real. They want real people. They're not fake. They're not whatever. And that's what they want to see in us. If we say that we believe who God is, who he is, then they want to see that in our lives, Right. Not by acting perfect lives, but by having that hope and recognizing our need for him. And that's what we need to do. There are so many disingenuous people in our world and people want to see something different. So when they see our world not coming out, they want to see us live that out and live that hope out. So how can we be that missionary, right? Um, where is your mission field at? I think is the first thing we have to think about. One of the things I think that happens, and, and this is part of the reason why I started coaching. For me personally, I live a life that's very insulated from the world. I live at Bethany Camp. Some of you heard of it. Some of you have been there, right? And I almost exclusively interact with other believers. Now, in the summer, we bring a lot of kids into camp. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And guess who spends time with them? The counselors and the staff and so forth. Not me. I don't do that. I actually talk to other people and I'm working and discipling this, the mentoring uh, the staff, but I'm not interacting with the campers all that much. And a few years ago, I was really challenged with this thought process is where is my personal mission field? And so 
think of different ways that I can involve myself. And that was a large reason as to why I decided to, to go coach, because I've entered into now the school system where there are a lot of unbelievers. And it's not necessarily the opportunity for me to go preach there or anything else. It's to live my life in front of them. And so far, we haven't seen fruit of anyone come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior yet. But I do know this. There's an impact that is happening amongst the staff there, amongst the students, and so forth. And I hope that we can continue to do that. And my testimony is to, to live out a life in front of them that is different than the rest of the people that they know, right? And that's my goal. Now, I don't know where your mission field is. I look across this room. We have some young people, and you go to school. And if you go to a public school, you have a great mission field, right? They are, you are surrounded by people that don't know Jesus as their Savior. Some of you go off to work. And you have a job, and I'm assuming that at your job you will find people that are not believers, right? And you have an opportunity to do that. You know, if you're going to have outreach, guess where you have to go? You have to go where there are people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that's my first thought, is, is that you need to identify that in your life, no matter where it what it looks like and what your circumstances are, is to be able to build relationships with people, whether it's people across the, the, the fence from your house or in town, or it's at school, or work, or wherever that might be. That seems pretty simplistic. But the truth is, is that oftentimes as believers, we're more comfortable surrounding ourselves with who? Other people who think like us. And one of the biggest challenges is, is that when we get around people that don't think like us, what is the first thing we want to do? We want them to start thinking like us instead of having compassion on them as who they are, where they're at, right? And sometimes, you know, I, I hear things that I don't necessarily care to hear when I'm at school, right? But I'm going to be patient to understand that I have empathy for those people, and if I'm going to reach them, I have to live in their world for a little while. And it's a challenge, right? Because we don't want to sway to their part of the world, but we want to have an influence with them. But the first step was we got to find places where we can go and we can find uh, interaction and, and relationships with people. You guys have done that, right? You've reached out and found a community of people that don't know Jesus as their Savior and have the opportunity to connect with them through an opportunity that you've created. And that's what we all need to figure out a way to do. Okay? Um, here's some practical tips. Um, Uh, okay, I'm going to skip through some of this here. Here, What are some things that cause us to not do this? I, here are some things that I think really hinder us from our operations. First of all is this. I think most of us feel like that uh, we don't have a, an ability that God can use in order for that to happen, right? I want to make a statement here. Do you realize that, and this is really true, Nathaniel has just come on staff at our camp, and he has figured this out already. About 85% of what we do as ministry is just plain old work, right? It's behind the scenes doing things to set up others or other situations for them to be able to have that interaction with someone and share Jesus, right? So since our campus ended and we have all these groups of people that have come in, mostly what we do is, is that we cook food, we wash dishes, we clean cabins, we sit out at the pond and help people go down the zip line and we watch them at the pond and uh, that we just do that over and over, right? Am I right, Nathaniel? That's essentially what we've been doing, right? 
And sometimes it can get lost in the fact is, is that, wait a minute, why am I doing this? And yet in the process of that, what has taken place? People have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? And the truth is, is that this church is the same as well. So someone gets up here and shares from the Bible uh, on Sunday morning. There are people that are in Sunday school classes sharing the hope of Jesus with young people and discipling there. But somebody still has to mow the yard. I know somebody did that, right? The yard was mowed. Someone has to make sure that things get fixed and these things take place. 80% of the things that, that happen in ministry and in opportunities are things that are behind the scenes, right? And just being able to grind away at these little things. And yet those are the toughest things we have to get the people to do. And those are areas that each one of us can involve ourselves with as far as that goes. Another thing is, is that I think a lot of people don't want to, they, they feel alone and they don't feel empowered to be able to do that. There are multiple ways that you can serve with teams, right? You don't have to do things alone. Find a group of people. And I think you guys have had multiple different organizations in throughout this month to help give some ideas of ways that you can do that. But just practical ways that you can actually be involved in serving. It's not always about you having the biblical knowledge to be able to share everything. Now, do we need to do that as well? We do, right? It's going to be one of my practical steps at the very end that we're going to talk about what we want to do. So let's get to that. What are the ways that you can actually be a part of being a missionary no matter where it is you're at? First thing you need to do is pray. Number one thing, we got to pray. We need to pray for multiple things. We need to pray for um, opportunities for God to put into our lives and for the courage and the strength and the vision to see them, right? Because sometimes God puts all kinds of opportunities in our lives and we don't actually pay attention or we're not courageous enough to say what we need to say. So we need to pray for those things. We also need to pray that God would give us the strength uh, to do it. The next thing we need to do is we need to just figure out a place to serve and be willing to do that. Okay, Ministry is not always glamorous. It's about being faithful, being consistent. The next thing I wrote down on my list of things is we need to study the Bible. How many of us are faithful getting up in each day, spending some time in God's word, specifically looking at what it is that he's teaching us? Because the more knowledge that we put in, it gives us the ability to then share that more effectively with others. True? And to know what we really believe, it's really important. We need to encourage other people. We need to encourage them to be sharing. We need to encourage them when they don't do well with it. Or because the truth is we all struggle with that a little bit, right? And the last thing I did I wrote here is, is that we need to support others that are involved in that. And I'm not talking just financially. I think that's the easiest part of the whole thing. It's really easy to get our wallets and give money to other people. Here, you, you go out and share the hope of Jesus with somebody, right? And that's not wrong. We need to do that. But that's not the only piece of the puzzle. How can we do that in physical ways? How can we get involved helping the people that are there doing those kinds of things, physically be involved with what's going on? There are many, many mission organizations, mission uh, uh, things happening. I mean, we know at camp we can always use volunteers, but we're by far not the only people, right? And how can we support those that are doing that? But I think it really goes back and boils down to this one thing. How much are you thankful for what God has done for you? And how is that going to affect how you're going to share that hope with the other people that God brings into your life, right? And what's the number one reason that we don't? I think largely it boils down to pride. We're afraid to share because what people might think. 
we're afraid that uh, you know we might uh, offend somebody. It can also go the other way. Is is that uh, um, we can get so wrapped up in the business of doing things that we just don't have empathy for those lost people that need Jesus so badly. And uh, we want to make sure that we don't allow that to happen because ultimately in the end, here I will know this, there is nothing that I do that causes people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Who does that work? God does, right? Our mission statement at Bethany Camp goes like this. We are trying to create an environment for spiritual growth and change. Why? I can't create spiritual change in people's lives. I can create an environment for it. I can lead them there. But God is the one that's going to do that work. And what he wants me to do is be faithful, be consistent, be there, and making sure that I myself am continuously putting the faith and trust in him. The minute I get the thought process that it's me that's doing it, then I've lost what I need to be doing in my life, right? So that's what my message is for today. Hopefully we're, uh, it encourages you or challenges you a little bit. And uh, that not only uh, each one of us would just seek out those opportunities because you know what? God's going to give them to you. God is going to give them to you. How can you share that hope by the way that you live your life? Let's, let's close with prayer. God, thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your word. And thank you for just the history that we can see over and over and over. Thank you even for your creation and we can see you in that just as we sung this morning. Lord, I pray for each one of these folks here uh, in this community of Ripley that you might just use this church and these individuals to be able to share hope with those that live around us. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would bring many to you even during these uh, challenging times in our country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Get an opportunity to sing about that last point. Redeemed, I love to proclaim it. Let's stand and sing number 348. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed.
redeemed, his child and forever I am. I know I shall see in my beauty the King in whose light delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Help us, Lord, truly to think on that and think of all that it means that we might be excited about what you've done in our life, that we might be thankful for bringing us to your Son, Jesus Christ, drawing us into this family of believers, giving us opportunity to serve you in so many ways, because, Lord, you deserve our service. Help us to love you in response to your love for us, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. Remember reading out that. So.